0: Today on the Matt Wall Show, there's finally a real and concerted effort to push back against critical race theory in schools. But the effort should go beyond merely pushing back. I'll explain why. Also, five headlines, including a new report claiming that America will never achieve herd immunity and the coronavirus will be with us forever. So that's the good news. Also, a viral video shows a mother trying to plant the idea into her daughter's head that she's really a boy. And a male Democrat congressman tells a Republican woman to, quote, shut her mouth and is, of course, applauded by the left. And finally, on our daily cancellation, we'll deal once and for all with the question, are space aliens preparing to invade? And another question, even more important, why doesn't anyone seem to care? All of that and more today on The Matt Wall Show. Now a word from Charity Mobile. You know, we all complain about all these companies out there that are... Uh, that are you know, hopelessly low, woke and far left and everything. Um, but we shouldn't complain about that if we're not willing to support the companies that are not that, the companies that have morals and are working with us and for us in the culture. Uh, here's one of those companies, Charity Mobile. Charity Mobile is the pro-life phone company. And the reason for that is 5% of your monthly plan price goes to the pro-life, pro-family charity of your choice. Uh, and this is all about helping to build a culture of life in America while supporting a pro-life phone company at the same time. You could turn everyday living into effortless giving uh, with the charity of your choice, but at the same time, you're also getting a great service. So th- 5% of your monthly plan price goes to the uh, pro-life charity of your choice, but you also get new activations and eligible accounts, get a free cell phone with free activation and free shipping. There's no contracts, there's no termination fees, and there's no risk with a 30-day guarantee. You also get free usage alerts, you get free apps to uh, monitor usage, pay your bill, and so on, makes it really convenient. I know I use those apps as well. I've been a Charity Mobile customer for a while now, and I can't say enough good things about it. So you can call them at 1-877-474-3662 or chat with them online at charitymobile.com. Well, you know, as a devoted cynic myself, I'm tempted to look at the downside in this rather sudden push by conservatives to fight back against and even ban critical race theory. The downside is that we waited this long to start fighting. You know, critical race theory has been mainstream in our culture for years. Kids in grade school and college have been indoctrinated into it for a very long time. How do you think that so many millennials ended up like this? We didn't fall out of the sky one day already in this pitiful condition. It, it took conditioning for us to get like this, years of it. And I say yeah, us only in the, in the uh, broadest sense of the term. And when it comes especially to the racial conditioning, um, it took the right quite a while to notice though. Well, let's not, let's not focus on that today. The fact is that the racial brainwashing has finally come to the attention of many people, especially conservatives, and that is a good, if late, perhaps even too late, development. This all means that the forces which are imposing this madness on society must ramp up the propaganda. NBC News has gotten the memo uh, leading to this headline that they tweeted out yesterday In response to a school board election in Texas where CRT cult members were given a thorough drubbing. But NBC News, this is how they reported it. They said, opponents of anti-racism education win big in a bitterly divided election in South Lake, Texas. Conservative candidates who opposed a school diversity plan won every local race, uh, taking about 70% of the vote in the wealthy Dallas-Fort Worth suburb. Now, it's just two sentences there. But those two sentences are a... Masterclass in dishonest framing. What you just heard there, that's, that's, that's what fake news is. It's what it sounds like, what it looks like. Nearly every word is calculated to mislead, starting with opponents of anti-racism education. To even call it anti-racism education is to choose sides in the dispute. When you call it anti-racism education, you're declaring that you're on the side of the CRT people. The whole point that critics of CRT make is that it's not anti-racist at all. That's the entire, that's really the whole argument here, or, or, or a, a, a major facet of the argument, is whether or not this actually is anti-racist. By calling it anti-racist, you're taking a side. Um... But that's what we're saying. You know, we're saying it's it's, it's, CRT is no more anti-racist than like a Newport ad is anti-smoking. It teaches racism. It divides people based on race. It teaches that white people are inherently racist, inherently bigoted, inherently oppressive. It treats whiteness like it's a disease, a cancer, a thing that has to be eradicated. Our argument is that this is racist. And we're obviously correct. By calling this anti-racism education, you are again advocating for one side. You're adopting their premise and you're pushing it under the guise of objective reporting. And then there's the phrase bitterly divided. NBC calls the election bitterly divided, even though conservative anti-CRT candidates won by 70%. Now call that what you want. I prefer terms like landslide or perhaps even butt whooping, but you can't call it bitterly divided. The, the vote was in fact, as close to unanimous as a vote of this kind can hope to get. Meanwhile, speaking of propaganda, the founder of the 1619 project, Nicole Hannah Jones, was on CNN yesterday responding to a letter from Mitch McConnell where he urged the Department of Education to purge critical race theory from its curriculum. Again, uh, talking about how long it took to get to this point, uh, perhaps you know perhaps too late. Critical race theory has been in the curriculum for a very long time. Mitch McConnell is just now sending this letter. Okay, fine. But here's how uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones made her case. Here's what she said.
1: As you were aware, the minority leader also wrote in his letter to the secretary of education, quote, families did not ask for this divisive nonsense. Voters did not vote for it. Americans never decided our children should be taught that our country is inherently evil. I know you uh, take issue certainly with that characterization. What is your reaction to this letter?
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having me on and talking about this.
1: I'd like to kind of
2: reframe the question just a bit, because this is fundamentally a free speech issue. If you look at the rhetoric of uh, Senator McConnell and of state legislators all across the country that are trying to get bills passed to prohibit the teaching of the 1619 Project, it's not about the facts of history. It's about trying to prohibit the teaching of ideas that they don't like. So we, you know, I've been a little appalled by the silence uh, of free speech advocates as these attempts to ban ideas from being taught in schools um, are being introduced all across the country.
0: Yes, free speech. That's it, right? We want to ban ideas from being taught. We, We don't want any ideas at all. Because if you don't want the CRT, critical race theory idea, then that means you must be anti-ideas. You don't like any ideas. If you don't like that idea, then you must not like any. Right, free speech. Teachers in schools should have the free speech to indoctrinate your children in whatever way they see fit. Now, interestingly enough, something tells me that you'll never hear Nicole Hannah-Jones or any of her ilk advocating for the, quote, free speech of Christian public school teachers to teach their students that, I don't know, Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. In fact, you probably won't even hear them advocate for the free speech rights of Christian teachers to even so much as acknowledge or mention their religious affiliation to their kids. The free speech argument here is obviously smoke screen. Smokescreen. All you get from CRT cultists are smoke screens and misdirections because they can't argue their case. There's a reason why they want to inject these ideas into environments where they won't be seriously questioned or criticized. M- most kids in school, faced with indoctrination by their teachers and pressure from their peers, they're not going to have the capacity to resist or to think critically about it. Critical thinking is a skill that has to be taught. It's it's, it's you, you can't leave a, a kid alone to develop it on their own, because they won't. And if you're relying on schools to teach, Critical, critical thinking to your kids, then they're simply never going to learn. There's another point to be made here also. Um, the backlash against critical race theory is good, of course. But we have to ask, how did the schools ever become forums for this kind of thing in the first place? That's the real basic question. Because this is extreme, extreme, far-left, wacko stuff. How did it get into the schools? How did it get into the schools everywhere? Well, because the school system is a fundamentally left-wing institution. Right down to its bones. On like a cellular level, it is left-wing. And that's important to understand because even if you eradicate CRT from the curricula and the textbooks and everywhere else, something else will take its place. It's good to eradicate it. We should not just in schools, but everywhere. But the strategy can't be one of perpetual defense. You know, always putting out fires, always pushing back against this this leftist indoctrination attempt, and then that one, then the next one, and then on and on and on. As conservatives, and especially as parents, our ultimate goal should be not just to free our kids of left-wing indoctrination, but to actively raise them and educate them according to our own values and our own worldview. This is a point that I'm emphasizing all the time. It cannot be emphasized enough. Um, The problem with, for example, critical race theory is not simply that it is indoctrination. It's that it is wrong. It's bad. It's evil. It's harmful. It's dangerous. It's toxic. That's the problem with it. But indoctrination, that is, you know, when we're talking about kids anyway, bringing them up, them up in uh, a certain worldview, um, introducing them and inculcating a value system into a child. I mean, that's, that is indoctr- that is a form of indoctrination. Anytime you, when you hopefully at home are teaching values to your children, you're indoctrinating them. And that's good. That's something that you should be doing as a parent. That's something that kids need. The question is whether it is good indoctrination or bad. And when it comes to education, there is always going to be, you are never going to have an education that is totally free of worldview, totally free of of a value system, totally free of of indoctrination. Unless it's robots doing the educating, you're always going to have that. And so the next phase, the next part of this is to go, is to get away from this defensive stance and to focus as parents in on actively bringing our kids up and educating them in to the proper and right and good value system, to a properly ordered worldview. That has to be the goal. We can't just get rid of critical race theory and then sit back and say, well, we've Our job here is done. They'll just replace it with something else on and on and on forever. Until we begin actively raising our kids with the correct value system that will help them become well-adjusted, good people. That has to be the goal. And now let's get to our five headlines. You have now only well, less than a week until Mother's Day. And if you haven't thought, if you haven't even thought about what kind of Mother's Day gift you're gonna get, then do you even love your mother, you selfish person? You. Well, let me help you out. Um, the Pearl Source, they're one of our newest sponsors on the show. With the Pearl Source, you can get the highest quality pearl jewelry at up to 70% off retail prices. Pearl Source, Cuts out the middleman by eliminating traditional uh, markups by jewelry stores and selling directly to you, the consumer. They have the largest selection of pearls available anywhere and each jewelry piece is custom-made for you the or for whoever you're, you're buying the pearls for. The Pearl Source offers fast and free two-day shipping on every order with zero contact delivery. Everything comes beautifully packaged in an elegant jewelry box, so it's ready to be given as a gift. So this is, this is you know, I'm bailing you out right now. The Pearl Source is bailing you out. If you're looking for a Mother's Day gift, um, this is the way to go. And just because it's a gift doesn't mean you can't save money on it. You know, that's the best, best of both worlds. Don't overpay for jewelry. Go to the Pearl Source and save up to 70% off of retail prices. And for a limited time, listeners to my show, you get 20% off their entire order for Mother's Day. Go to thepearlsource.com. Enter promo code Walsh at checkout for 20% off your entire order. If you want fine pearl jewelry at the best prices online, then go straight to the source, the Pearl Source. Pearlsource.com. Enter promo code Walsh at checkout. You know, I'm at a, a phase right now. Um, Difficult phase myself where I'm my, my body is is middle aged, I guess. I'm almost 35. I think that counts as middle aged. But my emotional and mental maturity hasn't quite caught up to that. So I did something to my back over the weekend. Um, it might have been when I was uh, at the gym lifting on Saturday, or it might have been when I bent down to pick up a jar of peanut butter that had fallen out of the pantry. That could have done, I don't know what it was, but I have been in extreme discomfort. Um, and then yesterday, while well, we took uh, the kids to a playground and I was playing on the jungle gym. And uh, now my back feels 10 times worse. And the question is, you know, what kind of grown adult plays on the jungle gym to begin with? And what kind of moron does it when he's already injured his back? Well, me, I mean, this, this moron is, is who does that. And this is also why now I can't go to the doctor for it. Cause my wife is saying, well, you gotta go to the doctor. It's like, I, I'm not big on doctors in general, cause I'm a stereotypical man. But I can't go and explain this whole story about, you know, I did something on my back and then I was playing on a jungle gym and I injured it more. I could say it to you because I I don't see you. I'm just talking to a camera. I can't sit in front of a doctor and say that. So I will just suffer in silence. Well, not really in silence. I'm complaining. I will suffer loudly is what I will do, as any man should. Okay. This is from the New York Times. It says, early in the pandemic, when vaccines for the coronavirus were still just a glimmer on the horizon... The term herd immunity came to signify the end game. The point when enough Americans will be protected from the virus so we could get rid of the pathogen and reclaim our lives. Now more than half of adults in the United States have been um, inoculated with at least one dose of a vaccine, but daily vaccination rates are slipping and there is widespread consensus among scientists and public health experts that the herd immunity threshold is not attainable, at least not in the foreseeable future and perhaps not ever. Instead, they're coming to the conclusion that rather than making a long promised exit The virus will most likely become a manageable threat that will continue to circulate in the U.S. for years to come, still causing hospitalizations and deaths, but in smaller numbers. Uh, So that's the, this is going viral right now on social media. That's the claim from the New York Times anyway, that there's never going to be herd immunity. And uh, not just the New York Times, Dr. Leanna Wen was formerly of uh, Planned Parenthood. And she was on CNN. Echoing these concerns that we will never have herd immunity, here's what she said. We're going to get to herd immunity through a balance of those who've had it and those who've got vaccinated. So this conversation is all about how that will be balanced. And if we can get there through more vaccination, fewer people will get sick and die. How's that?
1: Well, I certainly agree with you on everything you said in your intro. Um, I also... Though I'm not sure that we are going to reach herd immunity. I mean, the other scenario here is that we get a decline in the number of infections because of increasing vaccinations over the summer. That's really good. But I also fear that people are going to get complacent. They're going to see that things are returning to normal. They can go about doing things that they can, um, that they were able to before, regardless of whether they were vaccinated. And what I really worry about is that those people who are already on the fence, don't get vaccinated. We don't reach herd immunity come the fall. And then with the winter, because coronaviruses are winter respiratory viruses, we have a big resurgence. Maybe we have variants coming in from other countries. And we could start this whole process all over again and have another huge pandemic come the winter. And so that's why getting to herd immunity now as much as possible is really important.
0: So they're, they're, they're never going to let this go is what they're basically saying. If I were to could translate here. Um, at best, there will be lulls in the panic porn that we get from the media and the quote health, uh, public health experts. And then we get around to the fall and winter time; they're going to ramp it up again. Uh, you know, m- maybe at best we'll end up with these kind of um, mask mandates and everything that that are, are imposed and then taken away and then imposed again, depending on the season. I don't know, but they're never going to fully let it go. And as far as whether we reach herd immunity, I don't have much a, of an opinion on that. I think it pro- probably a lot of it depends on what you mean by herd immunity. Um, but I also, it doesn't surprise me. You know, I, me as, as someone, I, I'm not an expert, and I'll, and I'll fully admit that from day one. I, you know, Unlike some of these other experts on, these supposed experts on cable news who, who claim to be but aren't, um, I will tell you I'm not an expert. But from my non-expert perspective, Point of view early on, it seemed pretty likely to me anyway that we'd always, that the coronavirus, the COVID 19, would always be with us in some form. It's always going to be out there. It's probably not going to just go away completely. And so if that's what they mean, then sure, that doesn't surprise me. It's always going to be out there in some form, perhaps. Uh, So the question really is, The question now is the same question that we've been faced with from the beginning, which is, it's here. Maybe it's always going to be here in some form and to some degree. Uh, Are you going to live your life or not? You can choose to live your life in spite of that reality. um, Or you can huddle under your bed in fear, trembling. Those, Those are really the two choices. That's the choice that we that you you know we were faced with back in March of 2020. It's the same choice now. I know for me, I'm I'm gonna live my life. There are many many risks out there, many many things that could kill me at any time, uh, and one of those things will kill me eventually. And I'm I'm fully aware of that. COVID-19 has always been. Just for me, one of those things in that category. Although in terms of things likely to kill me, it's it for me personally, as a low-risk person for COVID, it's way down on the list. But it's there, along with all these other things, and uh, I'm, I'm aware of that, and I'm going to live my life until I'm not living it anymore. That's what we all have to decide. Number two, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted this over the weekend. Uh, this is what she said. Democrat policies are destructive and America last. Dem shutdowns killed hundreds of thousands of small businesses. Dem open borders uh, grow cartel business to $400 million per month. And Democrat funded BLM slash Antifa riots have cost billions in damage. Democrats are the enemy within. So that's what she tweeted. And that's all of that is true, of course, completely true. Well, the Democrats didn't like it. So Congressman Ruben Gallego, who is a uh, a congressman from Arizona, he responded with this. I was trying to figure out what type of pen to stab your friends with if they overran us on the floor of the House of Representatives while trying to conduct a democratic transition of power. So please shut your seditious QAnon-loving mouth when it comes to who loves America. Now, we're going to leave aside the melodrama about I was looking for a pen to step... This is a line that we've heard, not just from this guy, but a lot of Democrats have, I guess they, they've found that to be a powerful image. I don't think it particularly is, but um, they're, they're, they're searching for pens to stab someone with because they thought they were about to die any moment. Uh, we're going we're to leave that melodramatic BS aside for a moment. But here he is talking to a woman and an elected representative of this country saying, shut your mouth. Shut your seditious QAnon loving mouth. And this response from him went viral, obviously, and obviously the left was celebrating it. They loved it. Uh, You go, girl, and everything. They thought it was fantastic. Um, But we know, doesn't need need to be said, but I will say it. If a Republican had responded to, for example, Maxine Waters when she Uh, left D.C. and went out to Minnesota to rile the mob up in the lead up to the uh, Chauvin verdict, if a a Republican had said to Maxine Waters, hey, shut your mouth. Shut your race-baiting, lying, riot-inciting mouth. You can only imagine the response from the left. The screams of sexism and misogyny would be deafening. You know what? I'm... I'm really tired of of pointing out these double standards and whining about them and complaining. No, l- 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 instead of whining about the double standard, we should reject it. Okay, so when the left sets a, new rules for itself, then we say, okay, well, then we can play by those rules too. I'm, if, if those are the rules, according to you, then I have every right to play by them also. And so that's what Republicans should start doing. I know they won't. But a Republican should come out to Maxine Waters and say, hey, shut your mouth. AOC, next time she's droning on, shut your mouth, AOC. That's what they should do. And of course, the, the left will react how they're going to react. Who cares how they react? And whatever Republican had the the stones to say that can say, hey, look, you guys, you've already you've already made it clear. These are the rules now and I'm going to play by them. I don't care. No, no, no. So you say that only you're allowed to play by them. I I reject that. I'm not going to complain about the double standard. I reject it. You have set that standard. And if I want to take advantage of it, I will. I don't care what you say. So this is the rule now. Men in Congress are allowed to tell women in Congress to shut their mouths. You know what? That's fair anyway. We live in a a feminist society all about equality and equity and all these things. Well, men talk this way to each other. Okay. That's what needs that. But, But Republicans won't. See, what they do is they abide by the double standard while whining about it. The left says, here's the rules for us, here are the rules for you over here, and then Republicans obey those rules while complaining. Oh, gee, this this is really, this isn't fair. Why do I have to play by these rules? No, and they shake their fists impotently. That's your choice to play by them. I mean, I'll say it. Maxine Waters, you should shut your mouth. You really should, in a lot of ways. All right, speaking of Maxine Waters, uh, who needs to shut her mouth, Maxine Waters did an interview over the weekend responding to Tim Scott's claim that America is not racist. And uh, she, she didn't like that. She really did she's very upset. Here's what she said.
2: Well, you know, I don't know if he was counseled uh, to say that or whether he really believes that. If he really believes that, uh, then he has missed not only the history of the country, but what is going on right now. As we watched uh, the invasion of the Capitol on January 6th and those people following Trump saying they were taking back uh, their government and they were willing to harm people. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, not only were they willing to harm people, uh, for the uh, Capitol Police, who happened to be pe- uh, you know, police of color, African-American. They were calling them names, uh, the N-word. Um, every day, we have seen you know, this nation uh, get more racist uh, than anybody thought perhaps would be at this point in time. We've been through the Civil Rights Movement, where, of course, we made some progress. But this uh, president that we had, Trump, was taking us backwards, uh, and he was making racist comments. Uh, He was, um, you know, identifying himself with people like uh, the Ku Klux Klan and the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and the uh, QAnon. I mean, that is racism defined uh, in the most uh, obvious way. And so to say that this is not a racist country, maybe he meant to say that there are many people who are not racist in this country. But yes, we have a problem with racism and that we must work to do something about it. Maybe that's what he meant to say.
0: Okay, shut your mouth, Maxine. Definitely shut your mouth. Um, no, that's not what he meant to say. Maybe, no, uh, you know, maybe he meant, th- there's no way he disagreed with me. It's not possible. Uh, no one can disagree with me. I, I think what he meant to-, to say was that he agrees with me. Uh, that-, that must be what he meant to say. This is not possible. How could anyone disagree with me? Yeah, Um, I I will agree with this. If Donald Trump had, what was the phrase she used? Identified himself with the Ku Klux Klan. If he had done that, if he had identified himself with the KKK, then I would agree. That's totally racist. But he didn't. Ever. At all. Nothing close to that. Nothing that could be construed that way. He, I... just, just, this is what she does. That's why she's the most corrupt, dishonest, reprehensible member of Congress and is up there like for the all, for one of the all-time positions in that category, by the way. Just makes, makes stuff up. Donald Trump identified himself with the KKK. Okay. And isn't challenged, obviously, by uh, by the supposed news anchor there. Okay, well, you know what? If America, America keeps getting, America gets more and more racist every day, she says. All right, you know what? Fine. If America gets more and more racist every day than, uh, if, if that's what you think, then I guess we could stop with all these anti-racist measures. Maybe this is the argument against CRT. It's obviously not working. So we, we've had years and years of anti-racism, C, uh, critical race theory, you know, d- diversity, education, everything. Years and years of this. And Maxie Warner says, we're only getting more racist. It's not even like we're, racism is is going away slower than we thought. It's getting more racist. She, that's her. She thinks that. So that means that this stuff isn't working. I mean, if anything, it's making the situation worse. The thing is, I actually, you know, this is, this is the part I actually agree with. I agree with her about that. America is getting more racist just not in the way that she thinks or will say. Because in fact, um, critical race theory and this obsession with race, dividing people based on race, all of that stuff, it, 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 it it is making the country more racist. It's just that a whole lot of that racism is targeted against white people. And that's what happens when you have a whole group of people and you make them the scapegoats and the villains and you treat their identity like a sickness. You know, whiteness has become synonymous with, uh, with, with evil and all the bad things in the world. Yeah, when you do that, you're going to increase racism against that group. That's not a surprise. That's the reason you're doing it. So even though we agree for very different reasons... It sounds like in both cases, this is an argument for getting rid of all these anti-racism measures. Um, They are either not working at all or they are creating the racism. But what you can't claim is that they are uh, that uh, that they are successfully combating racism. If America is only more and more racist each day, as Maxine Waters says. All right. I want to leave some time uh, for this. I'll play this video. You know, we we, we play TikTok videos on the show uh, frequently, and oftentimes they're they're always deranged and disturbing, but but sometimes in a somewhat funny way. This is uh, not a funny one, of course. This is not one we can laugh about. It is ludicrous in the extreme, but it's not at all funny. Um, here is a mother who took this video, put it proudly on TikTok, uh, showing how she is, like a Munchausen by proxy situation, how she is trying to impose gender dysphoria on her innocent little daughter. Let's watch.
1: Are you a boy or are you a girl? I I don't know. I don't know who I am. You don't know who you are? Who do you think you are? I feel like I'm a boy. What do you
0: feel like? You feel like you're a boy?
1: makes you think
0: that okay so a little hard to hear there if you're uh, listening on the audio podcast especially with the with the music which just just makes this so much sicker uh that that music in the background but The video is of a girl, six years old, and the mother is like interrogating her and she's got the camera out. She's recording it. Uh, Oh, and there's, there's words on the screen. It says, my six-year-old daughter asks me if I think she looks like a boy. And I asked her, do you want to look like a boy? Her response left me speechless, speechless. As if she had some profound response to that, she didn't. In fact, what she said originally was this, what. It, it, actually, there was there was one profound thing that the, that the, the child said. Uh, she said early in the video, uh, "I don't know who I am," and the mother is pushing her along, guiding her along towards gender confusion, and uh, then she says something like, I, "I I think I'm a boy. I feel like a boy." But what she said there, "I don't know who I am." That is about as true a statement as a six-year-old child can ever make. And it's a profound truth. A child at that age doesn't know who they are. And she is, at some level, aware that she doesn't know who she is, which is very interesting. Um, And maybe that awareness comes from having a parent who's obsessed with identity and always trying to impose these things, And, and so... This, this, this child appears to like feel... All kids are confused about their identity and who they are. All kids are. Um, th- this, is, this is something they come to understand gradually with age. But she is aware of her own confusion more, mo- mostly because she has an abusive mother. Psychologically abusive mother. Um, but I don't know who I am. And then, uh, and then she settles, oh, I, I think I'm a boy. But all you have to do is watch that video. And you can see that really what you're dealing with here, there's no mystery. There's nothing at all. It, this is a child who is basically babbling nonsensically, touches on a few truths here and there. I don't know who I am. But for the most part, as kids do at that age and for years thereafter, kind of babbling, saying words. Doesn't really know exactly what you're saying. And what do these parents do? They seize on that confusion and they exploit it. And then they, and then they, they take these children and they put them on display for the whole world to see. That mother, by the way, I did look up her, uh, TikTok account and she, uh, was responding to some of the critics. And of course she was making a victim of herself. And so I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting all this, this big response and, and, trying to defend and, 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 and make a victim of herself. But she she's so surprised that this video got a lot of attention and she was being criticized for it, and rightly so. Yeah, well, if you didn't want attention, then why did you put it online? This is the other thing these parents always do, which sends me through the roof, is they put their child on display for the whole world, They publicize this stuff, even though nobody asked them to. And then when when people share their opinions, the parents will retreat back to, this is our private life. It's none of your business. Stay out of our lives. If it's none of our business, why are you telling us about it? See, when you put something out there into into the public domain for everyone to see, you're going to get people's opinions. We're allowed to have opinions, opinions about anything. Any information you give me, I am going to have an opinion about it because I have a brain and I'm allowed to. If you don't want my opinion about it, don't tell me about it. No, they want our opinion. It's just that they want our opinion to validate the psychological trauma and abuse that they are imposing on their child. That's what they want. And when they don't get that, then they, uh, then, then they become the victims because, as I always point out, this is all about the parent. It's got nothing to do with the kid. The, the, the children are spectators, you know. In, in a weird way, the children become spectators of their own identity crisis. As the parents create this identity crisis on their own. And the kids are just sitting back looking at it like, what is, what's mom doing? What is, what's happening right now? Absolutely disgusting. Yet another parent who should be in jail. Um, all right, let's move to reading the YouTube comments. This one says, Matt, have your wife lay out uh, your clothes the night before and you won't have to remember which shirt to wear on Fridays. Well, she actually does lay out my clothes uh, most like I told you, I have the emotional and mental maturity of a child. So she does wait, lay on my clothes most days, but um, she is not... I, yeah, this is really her fault, I guess, that I, I miss Polka Dot Friday. I guess we could blame her. You know, I'm not going to take any accountability. But she is not a proponent. Um, I hate to be airing my own dirty laundry, so to speak. But she, my wife is not a proponent of, uh, of Polka Dot Friday. She's not on, on board with it, really. She's very anti-Polka Dot Friday. And, uh, yeah, she laid out a shirt and I just put it on because I'm going to wear whatever shirt is put before me to wear. Not my fault. Thank you. Yeah. You know what? This, I, I was wondering who to blame and I've realized yeah, it's my wife. She used to blame for this. Um, okay. Another one says, congratulations on the 250,000 subs, Matt, even though YouTube hates you and us, it's still a fine achievement and well-deserved good, sir. Well, th- we, yeah, we did reach, uh, we crossed 250,000 subscribers. So, you know, we started at at, at the beginning of, uh, or like mid-2020, we had, I don't know how many we had. A, a pitifully low number. So we're uh, we're climbing. Christian says, please react to Rap Star by Polo G in your next rap review. It's currently the number one song in the country for two weeks now, and I would love to see your take on this modern masterpiece of Western civilization. I'm sensing a little bit of sarcasm there. I haven't heard of um of this artist known as Polo G. He sounds great just by the name. I had been looking for another uh, rap rap masterpiece to review for YouTube and and maybe I'll I'll check that one out. Um, Devin says, I really enjoyed your book, Church of Cowards. When will your next book come out? Uh, Well, I, I am actually working. All I can say is I'm working on a book project right now and it's not what you expect. It's It's going in a completely different direction from what you probably expect. And that's all I can say right now. Um, And finally, so I had a bunch of comments about the pit bull topic, which we we touched on briefly during the five headlines yesterday. Uh, One comment says, I disagree with your pit bull statement and the idea that since they're capable of mauling someone as a reason to ban them, as that's what the left says about police, they have the possibility to maul someone and why take the risk? Another one says, Matt's argument against pit bulls is the same argument the left uses against Second Amendment. Another one says, "Matt, I think you should talk to Caesar the Dog Whisperer. He, he he will tell you that it's the owners who have a problem, not the dogs." And Bo says, "When you say pit bulls should be banned, you sound like a leftist, Matt. Don't be a leftist. You're better than that." Yeah, these are the kind of arguments I always hear with the pit bull thing. It's oh, it's like the Second Amendment. It's like, no, no, no. Uh, or or oh, you're a leftist wanting to ban things. First of all, I I am not of the opinion that only the left wants to ban things. I, I am totally in favor of banning some things. It depends on what the thing is. This is the kind of overly simplistic conservatism that we have to move past. We have to grow beyond it. where, we, where we, we, we pretend that if you're banning the left, they're the only ones who want to ban stuff. Of course I want to ban things. There, there are plenty of things that are currently banned that I think should be banned. Uh, I don't know. We can start with murder is banned. You know it, it, That should be banned. Um, and I'm in critical race theory. should be banned from our schools. We just talked about that. I think most conservatives agree. So there's nothing wrong with banning things. The question is: Is it a thing that should be banned? Now, guns aren't banned because we, we have that is a right expressly guaranteed to us in the Bill of Rights, and also it's it's necessary in order to preserve our liberty. We need to have um, we we need to have the ability to defend ourselves. Uh, so, and then the, the the comparison to the police is is downright silly. Uh, again, w- we need law enforcement officers because if, if we, we need to have a law. We need to have law in order to live in a, in a, in a civilized society. Uh, and w- we're starting to see what it looks like to live in a, in a society that is not civilized. So if you want to have a civilized society, you need law and then you need law enforcers. Okay. So you've got w- with guns, it, it's a guaranteed constitutional right. And also it's necessary. Law enforcement, again, necessary. Um, Pipples are not any of those things. They're not necessary they're not a constitution guaranteed right, but even that's not, that's not even the point. The point is that they're not a necessary thing. Um, it's a, it's a, 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 you know, a, a privilege that you have to own a dog like this and bring a dog like this into the community. Um, and it's a question of whether it's worth the risk. You know, whatever your desire is, you know, whatever your reason for getting a pit bull, um, people have reasons for not wanting pit bulls in their community. And whose claim should outweigh the other in this case? And it seems to me that your reason for wanting a pit bull is that they're cute to you and uh, you kind of, and that's it, I mean, that's really your reason, right? You think they're cute and you think it's fun to have one. Okay, fine. Um, The reason people might not want pit bulls in their community is that every year uh, children and other people are mauled to death by them and they are inherently dangerous animals Um, and they, you know, they are, they are in their nature, aggressive and capable of killing people. And that's why you might not want them in your community. So I, I, I tend to think the people who don't want them in the community, I I think their claim outweighs your desire to have a cute animal. That's it. By the way, same reason we don't allow in most places, you can't have wild animals. You can't have like a, a chimpanzee or something in your house. Uh, these are dangerous animals. Yeah, they're cute, they're dangerous, you can't have them. I would put the same thing with, uh, with pit bulls. Very excited about new sponsor on the show, Redneck Riviera Whiskey. Look, there, there are a few things better than whiskey, to my mind, uh, and if you can take whiskey and then you've also got patriotism, you've got conservative values, got all that wrapped into one, it's just, it's, it's the best pa- possible package you could hope for. If you believe in standing for the national anthem, uh, supporting our military and first responders, If you wanna celebrate a job well done for them, then Redneck Riviera Whiskey is your whiskey. Sourced from America's heartland, blended and bottled in Kentucky, Redneck Riviera Whiskey is the smoothest whiskey available. From the glass to the cork and whiskey inside, it's 100% made in America. As any real whiskey should be, that's just my view. The Redneck Riviera brand is also 100% owned by John Rich. This isn't just another celebrity endorsed brand. Um, This is a, a really great product. I've had Redneck Riviera Whiskey many times. A portion of all profits proudly benefit the folds of honor. To date, Redneck Riviera Whiskey has funded over 110 college grants for kids who have lost mom or dad while serving our country. So it's a great cause, also a delicious whiskey you can't lose. For more information or to find a store near you, visit RedneckRiviera.com. That's RedneckRiviera.com. And as I'm sure you all know, The Daily Wire has been growing like crazy. Not only did we move the uh, whole company across the country, we also released our first feature film. We struck up a movie deal with Gina Carano. We've launched uh, the new show by Candace Owens. All within the last six months. Only imagine what else we have to do. Uh, We're moving at the speed of light over here. And that's why I'm excited for the future of the company. And um, all of us here at The Daily Wire would like to express our gratitude to you for keeping us afloat. We want to make sure we include you in all of our future plans. Every day on my show, I talk about a lot of amazing products as I just did a second ago, services also from sponsors that I love and use myself. We wanna to get to know you better so we could choose sponsors with you in mind. So please go to dailywire.com Walsh and fill out my audience survey to tell us a little bit about yourself. And to sweeten the whole experience, those of you that complete the survey will be entered to win a $1,000 gift card, but you can only take the survey once per Daily Wire show. So if you wanna increase your chance of winning, then go listen to Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles, Andrew Clavin, and get access to their surveys as well. And again, my survey link is dailywire.com slash Walsh. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. So today we have a daily cancellation that has uh, been a long time coming. Some of you out there have been begging to get canceled for this, and now the moment has arrived. The Catalyst is a piece in The New Yorker, published a few days ago, written by Gideon Lewis Krause, titled, How the Pentagon Started Taking UFOs Seriously. The article goes into great length discussing the evolution of the UFO issue, or UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, as they're now called. Though I personally choose to stick with the traditional name as an old-fashioned guy. Now, I'm not canceling The New Yorker for this article. Far from it. It's quite fascinating, and it makes the case that, um, that has been made on, on this show at other times. What we know is that for decades, up until the past few years, UFOs were an area of thought and study reserved for wackos and crackpots, or at least those perceived to be wackos and crackpots. But then things began to shift. The Pentagon started admitting that it was aware of and had been investigating many reports of strange aircraft in our skies, doing things these aircraft were, doing things that don't seem possible by our current technology and understanding. What's more, many sightings have been made by military personnel. Often the objects are spotted over nuclear facilities and military installations. These are trained technicians making these observations, not random yokels in a field somewhere. These are people whose job is to spot threats in our skies and who presumably know what a weather balloon looks like or a drone looks like. And they're saying that these things, these crafts, are not that. They're something else. And they look different too. There are reports of a tic-tac-shaped objects and discs and flying pyramid-looking things. And then the government began releasing videos of what some Navy pilots had seen up in the sky. Sure enough, it appeared to be vehicles of some kind going way faster than current technology allows, also not making any sound while they're doing it, stopping on a dime, shooting off in another direction, sometimes dipping into the ocean and coming back out and making all kinds of other maneuvers that just don't seem possible. These are the sightings that we know about also. Other government officials and former government officials have come out and said that there are many, many more that we don't know about. Now the Department of Defense is expected to release a report to Congress early this summer uh, revealing what it knows about UFOs. The point is that this is all quite unprecedented. UFO sightings are not unprecedented. We've heard about them, as I said, for decades. Plenty of those sightings have proven to be hoaxes or misunderstandings. Some of them are still unexplained. But now we have the government confirming and providing video evidence of unidentified flying objects. They're admitting that they've investigated these things, and they remain totally stumped. Some former government officials have even openly speculated that the objects might be otherworldly in origin. Now, this kind of openness and transparency on this issue from the government, after decades of stonewalling or pretending to laugh it off, is pretty shocking. So all in all, no matter what your theory is, no matter what you think is going on, this is a major story and it's fascinating and something that should be attracting way more attention and interest than it is. So that's why I'm canceling most of the American public today for failing to give this the attention and interest that it deserves. I mean, the government is out here confirming the existence of UFOs, providing videos of them, and preparing an official report to Congress on the subject. And a lot of you are responding With a sigh and a yawn. Uh, UFOs. Yeah. It's it's unconscionable to me. Now, I'm not saying that you have to believe that aliens are visiting the Earth. What I'm saying is that something is going on and whatever it is, it's a big deal. So it seems to me that there are there are four plausible explanations for this. For everything that's happening. Um, the weather balloons slash lens flare slash camera tricks slash hallucination explanations are not on the list, are not really plausible anymore because we have now video and testimony from expert trained observers and pilots. Uh, so it's very clear that whatever these things are, they are actual things, not figments of anyone's imagination, and they're not standard technology. So that leaves four explanations. One. A foreign, a foreign earthly adversary has developed a technology so incomprehensibly advanced and beyond our own capabilities that our government has no idea what it is or how it works. Two, our own government has developed technology so incomprehensibly advanced and so top secret that the people investigating UFOs at the Pentagon don't know about it and aren't being told. Three, that this is all some elaborate psyop op by our government, some big distraction technique. Four, that there are intelligent beings in the universe, elsewhere than Earth, and we are currently under their surveillance, okay? Now, I don't know which of these explanations are correct. I tend to doubt, number three, that the government is making all this up to distract us. Mostly, I I doubt it because it's not working. It's, It's not distracting us, so if this is a distraction technique, it's a pretty bad one. Very few people seem to care. Also, if they wanted to distract us with stories of UFOs, why did they spend like 70 years denying all these stories? But whatever the explanation, whether this is technology from China or it's our own technology or it's technology from some other place unknown to us, the point is that it's a big deal. It's something significant is happening. What's more, it's interesting. It's way more interesting than almost everything else we spend our time droning on about. My issue here is not that the American public disagrees with me about the origin of these objects. I don't know the origin, so you can't disagree with me about that. I have no idea. My issue is that much of the public and the media seems not to care very much one way or another. And that's the thing I I can't understand. There are actual flying saucers or flying Tic Tacs zipping around the skies, defying the laws of physics. Nobody seems to know what they are or where they came from. And most people are looking up and going, eh, big deal. Let's see what's on Netflix. That's the thing that frustrates me, in fact. The public cares much more about movies about UFOs than it does about the real thing. I am convinced that if space aliens actually landed on Earth and were about to emerge from their ships and divulge the secrets of the universe, and a new Star Wars movie was premiering at the same time in the ultimate case of counterprogramming, most Americans would rather go watch the movie about the aliens than go see the real thing. We are a nation of zombies with moldy brains, incapable of awe and wonder. That's what this is really about. It's awe and wonder. You see a video like that, and you hear stories like this. You're like, wow, that's that's a, this is amazing. Something crazy is happening. Let's talk about that. What makes this UFO issue so captivating is that we don't know what's happening. It gives us a chance to wonder and think and theorize, but a lot of people don't want to think. They want their thoughts pre-made, pre-assembled, presented to them on a platter. Everything that requires deeper thought is uninteresting because we lack the capacity for deeper thought. You might recall a couple of years ago um, when scientists released the first ever image of a black hole. It was an image of an intergalactic object some 55 million light years away. Amazing. But most people shrugged it off. You know, they, they shrugged when it was released and they complained that the picture was too blurry and not that exciting. That's eh, blurry. I can't see it. This is boring. Yes, it was blurry. I mean, it's from 55 million light years away. What do you want? But what made it exciting was the very thought that this image came to us from 55 million light years away. We're able to look back through time and space and see something massive and ancient and mysterious. The image itself on the surface was just a blurry mess of colors. Yeah. But the image combined with the thought of what it is and what it means and the implications, that's what made it fascinating. Yet this requires us to have actual thoughts. Just as the UFO story requires us to have thoughts. On the surface, these are just weird things buzzing around in the sky. But think deeper, and the possibilities are truly awesome and incredible. Sadly, though, the think deeper part is where we lose a lot of people. And all of those people are canceled. And by the way, they're also not invited to the welcome party when the aliens arrive. Not that those boring losers would want to come anyway, so I guess no loss. And we will leave it there for today. All of you who are, have not just been canceled, uh, I hope you have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Sasha Tolmachov. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair makeup is done by Nika Geneva and our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, CNN
1: suggests that misinformation from the right will cause a civil war, but it is the establishment media's embrace of radical critical race theory that will split the country. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen.